Leviticus chapter 22, verse 1. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 2. Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, that they separate themselves from the holy things of the children of Israel, which they hollow unto me, and that they profane not my holy name. I am the Lord. 3. Say unto them, Whosoever he be of all your seed throughout your generations, that approacheth unto the holy things, which the children of Israel hollow unto the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, that soul shall be cut off from before me. I am the Lord. If you're unclean for any reason, and you still go to perform service, and you touch the altar, and you don't take it seriously that you're unclean, and you cannot approach God that way, then you're no longer in Israel. And that's basically like saying that you've lost your salvation in Old Testament terms. But if you approach him unclean, you're showing that you think that he's just smoke and mirrors, and that it's all a game. That would be showing God that you think that he's just like the man-made idols. If you think he's a man-made idol, then you're definitely not saved. And we see that with people today. People who claim that Christianity is just another religion like all the other religions, and God isn't real, and it's just another imaginary thing. They see God in the same light as all the pagan gods. 4. What man soever of the seed of Aaron is a leper, or hath an issue, he shall not eat of the holy things, until he be clean. And whoso toucheth any one that is unclean by the dead, or from whomsoever the flow of seed goeth out. 5. Or whosoever toucheth any swarming thing, whereby he may be made unclean, or a man of whom he may take uncleanness, whatsoever uncleanness he hath. 6. The soul that toucheth any such shall be unclean until the evening, and shall not eat of the holy things, unless he bathe his flesh in water. If a Levite has any disease or issue coming from his body, like, um, you know, bodily fluids, then he cannot eat the holy things. But in the last chapter it said if he's maimed or handicapped, he can eat the showbread. He can eat of the holy things as long as he doesn't have a disease or isn't leaking any bodily fluids. If it's just a lameness, then he can go ahead and eat. But it says if you touch nasty bugs or you touch a dead person, if ejaculation is the flow of seed go without. So if that happens because of sexual intercourse, you have to wash your unclean until evening and you can't eat the holy things when you're unclean. 7. And when the sun is down, he shall be clean, and afterwards he may eat of the holy things, because it is his bread. Basically, you can still eat, but you have to wait until you're clean. You have to wash, wait till evening, which is the beginning of the next day, and then you can go ahead and eat. They can save the food for you, but you can't profane it by eating it when you're unclean. 8. That which dieth of itself or is torn of beasts, he shall not eat to defile himself therewith. I am the Lord. The other Israelites can eat animals that they come upon dead under certain circumstances, but the Levites cannot. They can only eat freshly slaughtered meat. 9. They shall therefore keep my charge, lest they bear sin for it and die therein, if they profane it. I am the Lord who sanctify them. God is saying, because they're next to me, they're in my tabernacle, they're approaching me all the time. If they don't keep this law, they're going to die, because my holiness will kill them. 10. There shall no common man eat of the holy thing. A tenant of a priest or a hired servant shall not eat of the holy thing. If you're not a Levite, you can never eat of the food that gets sacrificed or the showbread or any of the offerings, which would include the grain offerings, the fruit offerings, and all that stuff.
11. But if a priest buy any soul, the purchase of his money, he may eat of it, and such as are born in his house, they may eat of his bread. Only the priest can eat it, but also people who are biologically related to him in his own household and people who he purchased with money as his own slaves because they're now engrafted into his family since he bought them, they're part of the family. If the priest does not own you because you're a hired servant, then you cannot eat the holy things because you aren't in his family. You're hired. That's different. But if you're bought, you're part of his family. 12. And if a priest's daughter be married unto a common man, she shall not eat of that which is set apart from the holy things. If it's a daughter of a Levite, but she marries like a, a somebody from the tribe of Reuben, then she can no longer eat from the holy things. Her husband, who is not a Levite, has to support her and feed her. 13. But if a priest's daughter be a widow or divorced and have no child and is returned unto her father's house as in her youth, she may eat of her father's bread, but there shall no common man eat thereof. Now the reason a divorced or a widowed woman who returns home can eat is because she doesn't have a husband to take care of her and provide food for her. In that case, her Levite father can feed her. 14. And if a man eat of the holy thing through error, then he shall put the fifth part thereof unto it and shall give unto the priest the holy thing. If somebody eats the offered food and they're not allowed to, then they owe God 20% back because they're eating the Levite's food. Remember, the Levite is the one tribe that can't have a regular day job. They're dependent on that food to survive. So if you eat the food that a Levite is dependent on to survive, then you have to pay restitution. You have to give them back what you took plus 20% so that you won't do it again. 15. And they shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel, which they set apart unto the Lord. 16. And so cause them to bear the iniquity that bringeth guilt when they eat their holy things, for I am the Lord who sanctify them. The Levites have to be forgiven by making their own sacrifice. They have to be cleaned through all the rituals. They can't be sick. They can't be maimed. They have to follow all the rules and remain holy. God doesn't hate handicapped people. He doesn't hate people who are sick or who have diseases. He's not shaming anybody. What he's saying simply is, because I'm holy, nothing sick or lame will ever approach me. And that is a promise. It's a beautiful promise to us because it means when we get to heaven, we're not going to be sick anymore. We're going to have perfect bodies. We'll live forever. We'll look beautiful again. We won't be fat. We won't be tired. We won't be old. We won't be lame. Nothing will be wrong with us when we get to heaven. And we know that's true because nothing that is sick can approach the holiness of God. We'll be able to approach God in heaven, but with perfect bodies. 17. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 18. Speak unto Aaron and to his sons, and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, Whosoever he be of the house of Israel, or of the strangers in Israel, that bringeth his offering, whether it be any of their vows, or any of their free will offerings, which are brought unto the Lord for a burnt offering. 19. That ye may be accepted. Ye shall offer a male without blemish, of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats. Of the beeves, that's cows. 20. But whatsoever hath a blemish that shall ye not bring, for it shall not be acceptable for you. We can't bring God the blemished animals for two reasons. Number one, it represents sin when they have a blemish. Jesus was without sin. And since these sacrifices represent Jesus, they have to be perfect. And number two, nothing can approach God unless it's clean and whole. 
21, And whosoever bringeth the sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord in fulfillment of a vow clearly uttered, or for a free will offering of the herd or of the flock, it shall be perfect to be acceptable. There shall be no blemish therein. It shows God that we're giving him our very best, which is a sign of trust, because it means we're giving him the best that we have because we trust him to take care of all of our needs, in spite of us giving him our best. 22. Blind or broken or maimed or having a when scab or scurvy, ye shall not offer these unto the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar unto the Lord. You know, it would be tempting for a lot of people to give God a maimed animal because they're thinking, well, I don't want to eat that animal, and that animal isn't good for working, so let's give it to God. And God is saying exactly, do not do this, because if you do that, that means that you don't respect me and you don't trust me. 23. Either a bullock or a lamb that hath anything too long or too short, that mayest thou offer for a freewill offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. If there's a bull or a lamb, if it has a limb that's too long or too short, you can go ahead and offer it for a free will offering, which is like a Thanksgiving offering. It, it's an optional offering that's not required. So you can offer it for the free will Thanksgiving offering, but not if you're taking a vow. If you're taking a vow, it has to be perfect. 24. That which hath its stones bruised, which is the testicles, or crushed, or torn, or cut, ye shall not offer unto the Lord, neither shall ye do thus in your land. The testicles can't be harmed, which means it can't be a eunuch. It has to be a male cow that is not a steer, just a baby bull calf. 25. Neither from the hand of a foreigner shall ye offer the bread of your God of any of these, because their corruption is in them. There is a blemish in them. They shall not be accepted for you. They can't get an animal from a foreigner and offer that to God. It has to be one of their own animals. And that makes sense because if I take from somebody else to give my tithe to God, it doesn't count as my tithe. And it's the Israelites that are the holy people. The foreigners are pagans. So we don't want to give God a pagan sacrifice. That doesn't make any sense. 26. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 27. When a bullock or a sheep or a goat is brought forth, then it shall be seven days under the dam. But from the eighth day and thenceforth it may be accepted for an offering made by fire unto the Lord. You can't take a newborn baby away from its mother for seven days. The mother has to be allowed to breastfeed it and take care of it and lick it and all that stuff for the first seven days. Then you can take it away and offer it. And this is because of all the raging hormones that are going on inside the mother. If you take the baby away too soon, it'll traumatize the mother. And because God loves his animals, he doesn't want the mother traumatized. 8. And whether it be a cow or you, ye shall not kill it and its young both in one day. You can't kill the mother and the baby on the same day. And remember there was a verse earlier, and I think it was in an Exodus, saying that you cannot boil or cook a baby in its own mother's milk. Because only a Nazi would do something like that. That's disrespectful of life, and it's so shameful to cook the baby in its own mother's milk. It's unbelievably heartless even to do that to an animal. And now God is saying, you can't even kill the mother and the baby on the same day. It's just too cruel. You would have to have like no heart whatsoever to do that. Seriously, if you think about it, it's pretty wicked. A lot of people think it's okay to mistreat animals, but God doesn't think that. All of his creation is precious to him, and there will be animals in heaven, and he doesn't want any of his creation treated in a horrifically cruel way. 
29, And when ye sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, ye shall sacrifice it, that ye may be accepted. 30, On the same day it shall be eaten, ye shall leave none of it until the morning. I am the Lord. When you give a sacrifice of thanksgiving, you're supposed to share it with your family, and you need to all eat it on that same day so that you're eating fresh, healthy food, not rotten food. It's kind of like a fellowship offering. It's where you share food with people, and you're fellowshipping with the Lord and with those that you share the offering with. These thanksgiving offerings fostered relationships between God's people and between Him and His people, so they were important to be shared and not wasted. 31. And ye shall keep my commandments, and do them. I am the Lord. 32. And ye shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who hallow you. See how he's saying, I will be hallowed, and then he's saying, I hallow you. It's like, I am holy, and I'm making you holy. This is a beautiful, beautiful promise. Because you're a child of God, he makes you holy. That's really special. He's making you a part of him. As we serve him and dedicate our lives to him and we resist sin and we follow the Lord and walk with him, he makes us like him. He makes us a part of him. Now, that doesn't mean that we become God. No way. We'll never be God. But we become his children. 33. I brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. And remember, we said earlier, Egypt represents sin. I took you out of sin. That's what God is saying. Because in the Bible, Egypt always represents sin. So he's saying, I took you out of sin to be your God. I am the Lord. And that concludes Leviticus chapter 22.